being mindful of how our behavior affects others, whether it's online or in person, in business or social situations. And it's really simple. If we just take a breath and we slow down a little bit, slow down and put ourselves in other people's shoes because we've either been through something or we're going through something, or we will go through something. And oftentimes, if you put yourself in another person's shoes and just take a breath and be a little bit patient, it goes a long, long way. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux. Welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Today, we are going to be tackling some of your etiquette questions, both professionally and personally. And joining us today is a trusted authority, and I would call the queen of etiquette, Jacqueline Whitmore, who's been an authority in the field of business etiquette and international protocol for how many decades now? (laughs) Well, over two decades. Yeah, a long time. Um, She's the author of Business Class Etiquette Essentials for Success at Work and Poised for Success, Mastering the Four Qualities that Distinguish Outstanding Professionals. Welcome, Jacqueline. Hello, Michelle. Thank you. So nice to see you. Um, I love talking etiquette. You've been on the show before, and I think I told you it's just something that I was raised with being aware of and um, but, you know, there's always different situations that maybe change and you don't know how to navigate. And that's why you do the work that you do to help both companies and individuals learn how to navigate maybe either difficult conversations or business challenges. Um, and so today I thought it would be cool to start with some of the business challenges because I'm wondering how the landscape has changed. I mean, you've written two business books on etiquette. Um what have you seen, um, especially with so many people working from home, any any specific challenges that companies are calling you about or individuals asking for help with? Well, you're right. The landscape has changed and the pandemic changed everything for all of us. It was as if we were sent to our rooms for two and a half years and <laughs> told to stay there <laughs> until things got better. And So when COVID hit, I was getting calls from the media to talk about handshaking etiquette, social distancing, Zoom etiquette, all these things that have never been written about in the past. And I'm now the authority on the pandemic etiquette. And it was, there were, there were no guidelines and a lot of times I would go on Facebook and I would do a poll and I would ask my followers, what would you do in this situation? And oftentimes, if you listen to your community, they'll tell you what you need to hear. And so a lot of times I came up with my own answers, but I also shared the answers of others with the media. Now that we're getting 
back out into the world and we're working in offices again, I am getting calls from corporations again to come and speak in person, which is great. And I believe that people want to know how to interact with each other. There's been this craving for connection for the last two and a half years. And we've been, a lot of us have been living uh, in loneliness and isolation. And so when we go to parties now, when we go to office events, we're not really sure how to interact with other people. And now we have so many generations within the workforce from Gen Z all the way up to the boomers and beyond. So people don't know how to communicate anymore. And we're anxious. We're stressed out. We're temperamental. And people aren't necessarily thinking about etiquette and minding their manners. And so I'm eager to be back out and working again in the workplace and helping people learn how to connect again. Yeah. I have a friend who works two days from home and three days in the office. And she told me when she's in the office and they are doing a meeting, everyone does it from their office um, over Zoom in the actual building. They're not even meeting in person in the, even though they could like, talk about anxious, right? And stress, like people, it's just amazing to me that in two years, so much of our ability to be social and connect, which is such a natural part of being human, Mm -hmm. sort of unraveled itself. And how do you build credibility and trustworthiness when you're not face-to-face with people in your own office anymore? Yeah. How do you build friendships? It's really difficult. That's sad. I've haven't heard that before. Well, that took me by surprise when she said that. It made me laugh a little, mostly because I was like, that's unbelievable. Like, it's not actually funny. It's, it is sad is actually the right word. I thought it was it was sad. And who knows? May, I don't know why. I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know. Maybe that is fear of just breathing too close to other people. I don't know. Although I was just recently on an airplane and I would say that most people were not masked. So like some things have gone back to normal, but um, but I feel like in the work setting, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I was on a plane recently and hardly anyone wore a mask. And um, I think people are just nervous. There's still, some people are still scared and, and anxious. Yeah. And how can you be polite and anxious at the same time? I don't know. Mm, um, that's interesting. Right. Cause if you're anxious, you're sort of self-focused, Yes. right. Versus socialist out, outwardly focused, right. Trying to make an actual connection. Um, and you know, there's, And then there's the generation that grew up with a smartphone in their hand. And for example, the Gen Z's, they aren't into going to the office parties. They want to keep work separate from their social life. Whereas my generation, we enjoyed going to happy hour with our teammates and enjoyed the office parties and so forth. And so there's this big divide between the generations and how they communicate. 
So since so much of your work is really centered around kindness, because I know for you, etiquette is really a matter of kindness and thinking about how you make others feel. What are some of the things, let's do like a an in-person situation. So what are you seeing in the office and how can people learn to bring good manners as a way of of connecting and making other people feel good again? Well, it starts with the basics. It starts with the smile. It starts with the eye contact, the good mornings, the good afternoon. How are you doing today? I mean, we're not even having conversations. I live in a small town, so it's easy for me to have a conversation with a stranger because I feel like I'm in a safe environment. But in, in some of the bigger cities, people aren't feeling quite as cordial as as I, I do in my small town. So I think it just b- depends on where you are, where you live, where you work, who you work with. But the bottom line, it just, it's the common courtesies because if you just give someone that eye contact, that acknowledgement, that good morning, that little thing, that little gesture of kindness that mm. we're all so craving. I think we start with that. Love it. And then you build on that. Love that. And what about Zoom? So what is what are some like Zoom etiquettes? Because, you know, there could be like the little things like, should should you not eat? Like let's say there's a meeting and you haven't had breakfast, <laughs> but you're home and you're hungry, you know, or do you make sure your camera's on? Because I know that I've attended things and it's, uh, for this, my daughter's school, and like we all just like shut our cameras off. But part of me feels like that's rude because if somebody's offering information and they're talking, they could be seeing the faces, but you know, everyone shuts off the video. So, any tips on Zoom etiquette? I designed a whole course around virtual presence, putting your best face forward. Yeah. And I designed it two years ago when I saw people eating in their bedroom with the messy laundry in the back. (laughs) They're having a a conversation in their pajamas and no, not pajamas for real. Absolutely. People driving down the road and, and participating in zoom calls talk about unsafe. So I would say, first of all, no eating or drinking on camera. That's why a lot of people keep their cameras off and their microphones on because they're multitasking. So you're multitasking in a meeting. Are you really paying attention? So I think it all depends on what the host wants. If the host thinks it's okay to keep the cameras off, then of course. It also depends on who the speaker is and and the level of um, importance of the meeting. And it's almost like I feel like we should treat it as if we're all in a meeting together in person. Yeah. And you have to be engaged and ask questions and participate by typing in the chat, good morning or hello or uh, welcome so-and-so. And at least people will know you're at least in the room. <laughs> you're yes. not turning your camera off and you're off in in the kitchen doing the dishes or something. But it's so easy now to disengage and not participate. And that that's a problem. 
because yes. you could meet something, you could miss something that's important or, um, yeah, I just think that virtual meetings are, uh, they're tricky. So yeah. you have to follow the host's lead. And that means the host needs to set the guidelines in advance. Yep. That's and really if it's good. okay to turn the camera off, it's okay to turn the camera off. I feel bad when I'm not on camera because I, I feel yeah. like I need to yeah. be seen, see and be seen because out of sight is out of mind. And that's really important when you're trying to work your way up the ladder of success. Because if you if you don't show up, then you might be passed over for an opportunity or a promotion yeah. or something important. Yeah, I love this. Uh, so what I'm just going to unpack a little bit what you what you said, because I was going to ask you. So the host ideally would set the tone or set the expectations of how that meeting should look, you know, so it's cameras on. I'm also hearing you say, even though it's virtual, in your mind and in your presence, it should be as if you were in the office, in person, in a room. So if you wouldn't be wearing your pajamas, shoving, you know, food in your mouth and, you know, thinking nobody can see you, uh, not wearing pants, which I know is a big thing, um, right. That, that was on the media a lot, you know, men with the, just their dress shirts and like their boxers, you know what I mean? Show up as if you are really showing up in person. Well, at and least from the waist up. Yes. So it is. Well, that's what it sounds like. There was a lot of waist up stuff going on. Okay. So you're okay with that as long as they're, they're presentable waist up. And then um, full presence, full presence. Don't be multitasking. Don't be distracted. It's, it's, it's respectful to whoever's hosting the meeting. It's respectful to your peers to be engaged and meeting the agenda of whatever it is you've come to do, because otherwise you've just set everyone back to, if you've not, you know, paid attention and then you're like, Oh, I didn't mention this important thing. And then it either prompts another meeting or a lot of email, right. Dialogue yes. and stuff. And you're invited to a meeting for a reason. If yes. the host did not want you to be there, then why would you bother? <laughs> why, why be there? Right. Uh, so, yes, it's, I don't know if we'll ever have a solution to Zoom etiquette, but I will say if you want to get ahead and you need to show up and you need to show your face and you yep. need to participate and you yep. need to stay engaged, you need to ask questions because if you just sit back and don't say a word and your camera's off, who knows if you're there or not? Yep. Out of sight, out of mind, like you said, mm -hmm. and that, that it doesn't bode well for promotions or advancement within the organization. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, what, just from your book, so what are, because you did write the um, business class etiquette essentials for success at work. Any key tips that are still relevant today in the landscape? I'm sure they are that you, there's some of your favorite that you always want to have people thinking about. Well, that book was written in 2005. And I believe that the tips that I included in that book are still relevant today. That book was unique in that 
I didn't want to come across as necessarily the expert in that book, although you you naturally do. But what I did, I decided to do something no one else in my industry had ever done before. I decided I was going to interview some of the top managers and CEOs around the country and get their perspective on etiquette and ask them, Love that. what are your etiquette pet peeves? How did you get promoted? What do you recommend for others in your organization who want to be promoted? And it was an education for me to hear what all these teachers, I call them teachers, had to say about their perspective of etiquette and manners. I learned a tremendous amount by listening to their life stories and their experiences because At the time when I wrote the book, I was probably in my early 40s and, well, I don't know, 2005. (laughs) We'll do the math (laughs) now. (laughs) It was a long time ago. I learned so much by just listening to other Mm -hmm. people. And then then at the end, of course, I put my spin on it. But uh, there's a chapter on dining etiquette. I don't think dining etiquette has changed much in the last 50 years. There's a chapter on meeting etiquette. Now, of course, we could include a chapter on virtual presence. Yes. There's a chapter on networking. And we could include a chapter on virtual networking. There's a chapter on... um, Oh, goodness. Um, Gosh, dressing. Mm. Now that has changed a tremendous amount. Can you talk about the dress? Because I think that's actually something people are probably wondering about. You know, look, I'm doing an interview with you and I threw on, you know, it's a casual blazer, but it's a blazer. I still haven't, I'm still, I always still have that corporate mindset in me, but corporate as in when I was in it 15 years ago, I don't know how people dress anymore. Well, it's, uh, let me tell you, uh, I have, if you've been to the mall lately, or if you've been online lately, and you're looking for career clothes, good luck, (laughs) because they don't exist. And if they do, they're very expensive. Mm. And I think we're becoming a more casual society. So business casual is the norm. And I think one trend that started the downward spiral of etiquette was the dress down Fridays Mm. when people would show up to work in their jeans on Fridays or their yoga pants or, or whatever. And so I have read so many articles that state that when you're dressed up, you tend to behave better when you're dressed down and you're more casual, your manners are more casual. And I used to be a flight attendant and years ago, and the lead flight attendant would come up to us, the others that were working in the back and say, we have a space in the front in first class, Uh, find someone who's dressed well and invite them up to first class. We have an extra space. And that was so interesting because we still, whether we like it or not, we make judgments about others based on their physical appearance. Now, I'm not saying that's uh, positive or negative. That's just the way it is. We're a visual society. So if you're going in for a job interview, you should dress your best. And then 
adjust your dress code according to the situation. I mean, I work with some men and women who work in very casual environments. So wearing a suit or a blazer would be ridiculous. Yeah. So I also believe in dressing for your client's comfort, not your own. Mm. And so you might be perfectly comfortable in baggy pants and t-shirts or jeans. But when you go to see a client, or if you're expecting a client to come into your office, you have to dress a level up. Yes. And I believe that's still true today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting that there'd be research about how you dress impacts how you show up in the world. Cause I do feel that it was probably why I do throw on a blazer and, you know, feel put together because if I were sitting here in sweats or something, I don't know. I think I, it would feel more like, Hey, Jacqueline, let's catch up. And maybe it would just be, there would be a different tone to the whole interview. I I think it absolutely makes a huge difference um, in being aware of your environment. And then it's interesting with the airlines, because if you watch old movies, Mm -hmm. I just, I forget the one I was watching recently. I was like, wow, everyone was in um, a suit and the women had gloves. I mean, I think it was a black and white, but I thought, oh, how interesting how we've, we have gotten so casual as a society. And I do wonder for a work environment, maybe because I am a little bit old school, I kind of like a little, I like the idea of uh, dressing a different way for, for the work to kind of set your mind at, in it, you know, towards like, okay, I'm at work and now I'm at home and I'm going to throw on something a little bit more comfortable. I'm sure a lot of people disagree and they probably love the comfortable stuff. So complicated. It really is complicated. Well, um, I've got, so I posted to my audience, um, you know, any questions we've got an, an amazing etiquette expert coming on. What are your questions? So I'm, if you want to, th- these are going to be from, from the audience to tackle. So these are, this is some that are on people's minds. These are more personally related. If you send a gift and don't hear back, is it okay to reach out and make sure they got it? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you send a person a gift and you don't have a tracking number, (laughs) I mean, almost everything can be tracked now via the post office or or Amazon or, or some other method. But let's say you don't have a way to track and you sent the gift and a few weeks have gone by. Now you have to give it some time. And if, if some time has passed and you're starting to wonder you might want to send a quick text. Hope you had a happy holiday. Were you? Um, did you receive the gift that I sent? It could have gotten lost in the mail. Yeah, who knows? And yeah. if it did, and things happen, then you can go back to where you purchased it and then do some research and find out if it was sent or if it was missing or broken or whatever. So, I say it's okay. Okay, awesome. Well, so let me do a follow on to that. That isn't there. And should you expect a thank you card or is what's what's now okay? Like I think of like if if your grandparents send you something and it's clothes or whatever, like send a picture with you in it. I think or an uncle, like they want to see that you are getting the enjoyment. Like just because it's family, sometimes I think people get a little lax on that. And I again, I'm a little old school. Like I think let that grandparent or family member feel good about the aunt or uncle about what they've sent your kids? I don't know. What are your thoughts on the thank you card and how to address like the gratitude portion? 
Mm -hmm. I too was raised just like you. And my mother insisted that when we received a $5 bill from my grandmother, that we sit down and write a thank you note. It wasn't necessarily the amount, but it was just the gesture. And we were we were instructed to respond to that gift. Nowadays, people don't do that. The, no. the young people don't send thank you notes. They don't even know how, what a thank you note is or how to write a thank you note by hand. I don't even think handwriting is taught in schools anymore. But I would say it's it's definitely a parent or grandparent or guardian's responsibility to teach the younger generation, the importance of an acknowledging a gift. And of course, the best way is a handwritten thank you note. And it also depends on the type of gift and the value of the gift. Sometimes if it's if someone just does a nice favor for you or brings you cookies to work, that might be just a, a nice little email thank you or a text thank you. That's okay too. But you can never go wrong with a handwritten thank you note. I so agree with that. Okay, that's great. And so thank you for that question. And now you've got your answer from Jacqueline on that one. Um, what is the most respectful and loving way to handle when someone you know loses a family member or pet? If if it's someone you know, well, then I I mean, that's a loss. And you know, that person is grieving. So why would you ignore that person's grief as if it did not happen? So depending on your relationship with the person, it could be just a phone call. And just an acknowledgement, just saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm really sorry you lost your pet. I'm sorry you lost your grandmother. Um, Just know that my thoughts are with you. Just something. You don't need to make it long and elaborate. Just letting the, just let the person know that you care. And if you say something like, Oh, I know how you feel. Well, you really don't. And that's not necessarily the best response because your grief is completely different from someone else's grief, or he's in a better place. Well, to that person, that person would rather have that person with them and not in a better place, so to speak. So I know that we mean well when we say these things, but the best thing you can say is I'm sorry and I care and I'm with you and just if if you know the person extremely well, maybe after a little time has passed, you call them up and invite them to lunch or you invite them to a movie because everyone acknowledges a person's death when it happens or there's a small window of time that every you're hearing from a lot of people. But then yeah. after time passes, maybe three months or four months, and the grief sets in, that's when you really need your friends. And that's when you, I think it's a a great time to reach out and say, you know, I've been thinking about you. If you're available for a phone call, I'd love to just chat. Something as simple as that. Yeah. And it could be a card as well. So if you know them well, pick up the phone. And if you know them, like maybe a colleague or somebody, maybe not as close or a family member, you would write a card, send flowers. You could could do that. Or if the person 
has some sort of celebration of life or memorial service and they don't want flowers sent, then maybe make a donation in their loved one's name. Yeah. Okay. That's so helpful. What about when um, someone you know or care about gets a medical diagnosis of cancer or another major illness? Um, what's the best way? Again, you know, if somebody's processing that, everybody processes information like that differently, but it's obviously going to be a long road for them for hopefully a full recovery. What what, what do you say for that? Some people are, are very private when it comes to their health and they don't want people to know. They don't want, it's not that they are hiding it necessarily. They just don't want people to worry about them. They don't want people to um, basically just um, worry. So I think it depends on the person and the relationship you have with the person in how you deal with that situation. Etiquette is situational, by the way, not black and white. So what I might do for a friend who was diagnosed with cancer might not be the way you handle it with someone else. But I would say if you know the person well and you know they're they're making it public, then I would certainly reach out and just maybe even send them a little care package with a little note thinking of you. Yeah. And leave it at that. And Try not to ask probing questions. How did it happen? How long have you had it? How do you, what, you know, when you start asking a lot of questions, then it puts that person in an uncomfortable situation. Now, if you know the person extremely well and they volunteer the information or you know you can ask them those types of questions, okay, that's fine. But to ask a stranger or someone at work that you don't know well all these probing questions, that's um, probably not the best thing to do. Yeah, that's really helpful. And if it is someone you're close with and they do want support though, you know, I've read once like, don't say, how can I help? Because it's putting the burden on them. But oftentimes we don't necessarily know if you're not in the same, let's say city or state, you maybe can't do a, you know, meal train with, you're not part of maybe that community, like where you can be so proactive, like things that you know you could do. So what, what would be a gift that you could send? Like what's, any ideas come to mind? I know it's obviously situational there too, but anything that comes to mind? Well, you mentioned Meal Train, which is such a great organization. A friend of mine was diagnosed with breast cancer last year and her daughter went on Facebook and started a meal train. It was so great. And she received donations from people and friends and family. And that's one of the wonderful things about social media, if you have a need, you can put it out on social media and you can oftentimes get results yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Um, some people just need an ear, someone to listen to them. They don't want flowers and candy and gifts. And other people want to grieve privately and process what is happening and then then decide then let them decide when they're going to open up and 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 talk so i think it just depends on the person and the situation yeah. and sometimes that person just wants some space but 
If you're going to do something for the person follow through, don't just say, oh, let's get together. Well, they're, they, they're so inundated with doctor's visits and they're get sorting out doctor bills and all these other things that go along with dealing right. with an illness. They're not going to remember to call people. So a lot of times it's just sending a little note. I will tell you, a friend of mine had um, cancer last year and she wasn't even that close of a friend. She was really a friend of a friend, but she had a similar type of uh, cancer that I had years ago. I had the early stages of cervical cancer back in 2000. And I would send her a text maybe every, oh, every two weeks because I knew she was going through radiation every mm-hmm. single day for, I think, something like 30 days. Mm-hmm. So instead of sending her a text every day, because I did not know her that well, I might I think I sent her a text like every one or two weeks, just saying, sending you a virtual hug today with mm-hmm. a smiley face, Nice, something small and yeah. just acknowledging that I'm thinking about her. Yeah. So people feel supported. I think that's so nice. Um, what if, this is another question, what if you send a text or email to someone you know well and they don't respond? Do you follow up or chalk it up to the person being busy or do you, you know, take it personally? <laughs> <laughs> or is that a, is that a, a subtle message that they don't want to respond? They're to? ghosting you. Yeah, they're ghosting you. That's right. There's all this terminology. Yeah, they're ghosting you. I know. Um, I guess it just depends on who the person is. And if it's someone that you went out with, I mean, there's a whole dating etiquette now that did not exist years ago when I got married. And some people just don't respond to emails or they don't respond to texts because they've moved on. I don't think that's fair to the other person. If you're going to move on, at least be courteous and let that person know we're not a fit or I... um, and moving in another direction in right. my relationships or yeah. something like that. Yes. Close, it, close that closure. Have closure. Some- yeah. <laughs> Give them the closure. And what if it's a friend though? Like is what's like, generally speaking, if, if somebody texts you or sends you an email, this is for personal, not business. I think in business, it should be within 24 hours. That's me. Maybe. I don't know if you, <laughs> but personally, um, I oftentimes, if it's a, if it's a personal email and I don't hear back, I'll send it again, just maybe give it some time. And then I'd say, or I would follow up with a phone call or a text because uh, it could be in the spam filter. Totally. Live busy life. They saw it. They didn't respond, respond and they literally just forgot. I do remember reading an article recently. I want to say it was in the Wall Street Journal that more and more people now than ever after the pandemic have just um they they just don't respond to emails because there are so many in their inboxes that they're just inundated. And I mean speaking personally, I know that I used to respond to emails Within 24 hours. Yeah. Do you mean professionally or personally? Both. Okay. And has, has <laughs> what do you think for professionally and personally now? What's the, what is it? Well, Just, still, what, I think it's important to respond within 24 hours, but that is not always realistic. Less, less. It's not realistic because yeah. projects and life and all of this 
gets in the way. But I do also say this in my email etiquette programs. If you get an email and you can't, if it has a deadline attached to it and you can't respond until a certain time, just let the person know, I got it. Mm. I'm working on something else right now. Can I get back to it on Friday? Um, Whatever, at least acknowledge it. That's a tough one because um, we're just so inundated with information. I mean, think about the information overload that we have with our smartphones and emails and podcasts and all these wonderful things that we we, that distract us. Yes. From, I mean, I can easily go down a rabbit hole uh, just by going to Instagram and watching these videos. And then I forget why I went to Instagram in the first place. Yes. It was There was a reason I went to check on this or to post this. And all of mm-hmm. a sudden, I'm watching videos of yeah. cats. <laughs> I was going to say, for me, Aussies doing things. Yeah, there's the Australian shepherds. Yeah, and I find myself like, wait, I just lost 20 minutes just scrolling dog videos when, right, I came to post something or whatever. I've done that so many times, so many Mm -hmm. times. Okay. So if somebody doesn't get back, ideally you want to get back to somebody within 24, 48 hours. If, you know, if it's business related, you need to acknowledge it, even if you can't respond specifically to the request. And then if you haven't heard back, so what I heard you say is, you know, give it a little bit of time and follow up with that person to say, Hey, didn't hear back. Um, right. Do you, you know, need more time or is there right? Or if it's a friend, do? yeah, like mm-hmm. right. Hope, hope all's well, looking forward to catching up or something like that. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. And watch your tone in an email because you can't see a person's face, you can't hear their voice. All you have are their words. And when you're sending an email quickly, you don't always think about the tone, and it can yeah. come across as being um, curt or arrogant or upset. And, and I, I have this, um, I do this exercise in my seminars. It's called the four bird personality test. Okay. You're either an eagle, an owl, a peacock, or a dove. Now you can be a hybrid. You can be a peagle <laughs> or a pub, but primarily your working style is one of those four birds. And if you're an eagle dealing with a dove, oftentimes you have to soften what you say or how you say it because that person could be a little sensitive. So that's there are so many different ways to communicate. And email is the most confusing way because of you can't see a person's face. You don't hear the tone. That's right. You don't, you don't, it's not the face to face. Yeah. That's really important. Um, We've covered a lot today, both the business and then um, thank you for the people who submitted questions. Um, Anything you want to add, Jacqueline, before we sign off today? Uh, I would just add what I said in my previous podcast with you. Etiquette is not necessarily about forks and knives. It's based on Um, well, the art of knowing how to treat other people and being mindful of how our behavior affects others, whether it's online 
or in person, in business or social situations. And it's really, um, it's really simple. If we just take a breath and we slow down a little bit, slow mm-hmm. down yeah. and put ourselves in other people's shoes, because it we're either we've either been through something or we're going through something or we will go through something and oftentimes if you put yourself in another person's shoes and just take a breath and be a little bit patient it goes a long long way yes thank you for that so true um i love the way you approach etiquette i've not interacted with any other etiquette experts, but your heart and your intention of being, you know, spreading kindness and goodness in the world is so evident in everything that you do. All of the show notes for today will be found at thegoodlifecoach.com, but you can also find Jacqueline directly on at her website, which is etiquetteexpert.com. On Instagram and Facebook, it's Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E Whitmore. So that's W-H-I-T-M-O-R-E. And these links will be on my website or on Twitter, Twitter, it's Etiquette Expert. Um, Thank you for your time today, Jacqueline. Always a pleasure to connect with you. Oh, Michelle, thank you. And if uh, anyone wants to go to my website, there is a free ebook uh, that I wrote called Master Your Mingle Ability. And they can download that immediately. And tell us where that is too. So why don't you just repeat the URL? And if there's a, is it on the sure. homepage? Yeah, go ahead. The, yes, it's on the homepage. And the the URL is etiquetteexpert.com. And the ebook is titled Master Your Mingle Ability. Perfect. Thank you for that too. That's so generous. Um, thanks so much, Jacqueline. I hope you have a great holiday season too. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.